Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. This week, I had an amazing lady join me in the hot seat, Richa Singh. Richa is a consultant with Family Business Consulting Group. Her specialism is in conflict resolution, communication, and HR. She has extensive experience educating and creating awareness amongst business families. And she started her journey as a business consultant in India, which is a fast-growing economy, highly populated, and a huge hub for big and small family businesses. She comes with immense understanding of the intricacies of enterprising families. And so in this episode, we spoke through what are the challenges that are faced by minority-owned businesses. Minority-owned businesses in the US or in the UK, for instance. Minority-owned businesses, particularly in the US, as US is such a melting pot. And the specific challenges and needs that these businesses face due to globalization, due to teething problems, finding support, succession issues, infrastructural challenges. And Richard comes with a density of information and experience in this area. And so she sheds lights on this. So tune in, take care and enjoy. Hello, Richard. Welcome to The Connected Generation. I'm really excited to have you today. Hello, Nikkei. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And I'm equally excited to be here just chatting with you today. Yes, we're going to have a great conversation. Before we dive into it, can you tell us a little bit more about Richard? How did you get to become family business consultant? And tell us more about your journey. Well, okay. I think I'll start from the very beginning because I guess it is what makes you what you are today. So I was born and brought up in India and I was born in a family of physicians, both my parents and my grandparents, my siblings, cousins, everyone in the family was a physician. So I kind of, I was a rebel when I chose to become an engineer. (laughs) So I was trained. As an engineer, after that, I went and did my MBA in human resources. And I started my career as a professor in an engineering and management college. And I loved teaching. I just loved the idea of interacting with people, my students, and just discussing new ideas, discussing new concepts, and helping them see newer things and just being curious And I think I was really happy being a teacher. I was doing well. And this was the time that I was also doing a lot of research in the field of organizational behavior and organizational development. And during that period, I was doing some research for a very leading family business consultant in India. And he wanted me to do some research on leadership and how we can coach future leaders. He wanted to do that research for family business leaders. Because I was anyway doing this research for corporates. So I was happy to assist him. And we did a pilot of that coaching module at our college for, you know, senior professors and principals and deans. And that module was pretty successful. So my mentor at that time, Mr. Sanani, he said, why don't we try and implement that for family business leaders? And I was helping him. And this field 
really intrigued me. So when he said, why don't you give it a try? Why don't you join us part-time? And you can still keep on doing your teaching and you can see if you like it. And I started working under him just to learn what all he's doing, just to learn the field. Because trust me, this is, and I'm talking about 2000 here, year 2008, nine. I did not even know that the field of family business consulting existed. And a lot of people were like me in India. They did not even realize that this is a common practice. This is something that can help them. And Nikkei, mind you, India is a country which has about 90% of family-owned businesses. Of all the businesses in India, about 90% are family-owned. But the awareness was almost zero at that time. When I started working with Anil and this field, it was really interesting for me because, again, I get to deal with people and just share new concepts with them, hear their stories. And I was in a position to really help them in an objective way because I wasn't a part of the family dynamics. I was an outsider. So for me to see things objectively, to be able to help them, that is how I transitioned. It's been about nine years that I'm practicing as a family business advisor. I recently moved to U.S. By recently, it's been two years, but thanks to COVID, it doesn't feel like two years. <laughs> it feels, it still feels that I'm just starting in this new country, new culture and everything. And I'm really thankful that I got associated with the family business consulting firm. So all this new knowledge and all this help is available to me. And then, of course, I get to meet interesting people like yourself. So can't complain. Amazing. I love the fact that you're a rebel and you went into engineering. I'd love to hear that about your story and your recent relocation to the U.S. What was that like for you transitioning from India to the U.S.? Well, as I said, my life has always been very unpredictable. I'll not say that it was me who was always doing these rebel things that you really liked, but it's like things happen and I'm kind of person who just goes with the flow. So my husband, he's a U.S. citizen. When we met, he was in India. He was in the process of setting up schools in India. And because I'm really passionate about education and everything. So that's how we clicked and we got married. And then we were in the process of setting up all these schools, which we did. And they are doing pretty well back in India. We started with Montessori kindergarten and then went till high school. So they are doing pretty well. But then after spending about five to six years in India, he felt that his kids were also growing up. And together we decided that it will be better if we could give the children more exposure and more opportunity if we just move to U.S. Because they were also growing up, they missed their friends and they, they missed being part of the school system that was here. So for the sake of our children, we moved back. So now both of them are in high school. Thankfully, they're doing pretty well with their studies and everything. So I think it was a good decision to come back. For me, it really meant a lot of relocation because I never lived in US. So for me, everything was new. I mean, country, the culture, and of course, having to set up a completely new practice here, that was difficult. But as I said, on one hand, it was really difficult. But on the other hand, I got so much support from so many avenues that I never believed that it was possible. And 
again, thanks to COVID, I get to meet so many new people. As I said, mm-hmm. you and me, we are talking here today. Had it not been for COVID, I don't think, you know, mm-hmm. our paths would ever cross. So can't really complain. No, I love to hear about your story because the same dilemma and the decision your family had to make with respect to your children is one that a lot of us have to make and leaving your home country, going to another country, setting up a new life. It's not easy. It's not all roses. So tell us more about the families, more about your ideal clients that you work with over in the US. First, I completely agree about it's not being easy. But then the kind of profession that you and me, we are in family business, advising family business consulting, it is, of course, all about family and, you know, all the charity they start at home. So when I had to take a decision that putting family first, I think it came easy to me. It's just the other part, the business part, which was, I will say it was difficult. But then again, the silver lining, which I realized was that a lot of Indian families especially Indian business families, they were also sending a lot of their children to study in US, which kind of worked in my favor because all of these children who were coming to US to study, they saw the opportunity here and they tried to set up a business here or they were growing their business here. So what I realized was that there was a big portion of Indian family-owned businesses who have either started to set up their business here or who have already an established business here in USA. And it is their next generation, third or fourth generation who is looking after these business ventures. So a little research on my part, I spoke to a couple of my old clients and I could find a lot of third or fourth generation Indians who are here, who are doing their business here, who are also in need of an advisor especially an Indian family business advisor, because like myself, I'm finding it difficult to adjust to the new culture and especially learn all this new culture. The same goes for them. These Indian families, they are here and they are very much American, but still their practices, their rituals, their cultures, they are still based in India. Having an Indian advisor speak to them who knows the language, who knows the rituals, who knows the little nuances of the culture that they have is a really big help. I'm sure you must have felt with your culture too that having an advisor who is from the country, from the culture, that's a great help. Yes, definitely, definitely. We all want to work with people that understand us and understand the unique challenges that we face. Can you speak a little bit more about the challenges faced by business-owning minority families? So as I said, again, I'll go back a little. When I was working in India, the primary challenge that we faced was that there was no awareness about family business advisory. So we had to start from very beginning explaining people that, okay, there is this field, there are these concepts, and you should know about them, and you can actually create a business that is legacy and that is not perishing with second or third generation and you all can be together and happy and grow the business like a team. When I reach here in US, as I said, a little research, I could find a lot of next generation who are setting a business here or who have established business here. But the issue wasn't that there was no awareness. 
there was definitely a lot of awareness. They knew about a lot of things that were already happening here in U.S. But the issue that they are facing being a minority in setting up the business here. So all these businesses, they are still in a very nascent phase. They are still trying to establish themselves. And for me, being a consultant in a new field, also female and also, again, a minority myself, I think you don't have the luxury of established credibility. So you mm. you really need to establish yourself. Mm. You really need to come across as someone who who knows what they're talking about. And I think you will also agree that being a female in this field, that is not easy. It's not. It's not. And with India, with Indian culture, they're still grappling with the gender issues a lot. I mean, it's different here in US, but back in India, business families are still struggling with accepting that a girl could also be a CEO. So that is still a new mm. thing. It's celebrated, but again, a new thing, I will say, an innovation. So again, a lot of gender issues are also there, which I think I really had to confront those and face those and probably work double as hard just to reach the same start line in the race. Mm. Let's talk a little bit more about those gender issues you cited that you typically see in Indian families. Can you speak more to that? So in India, it's established norm that a girl child will not participate in the business. The spouses, wives, especially wives, it's taken for granted that they will not participate in the business. But lately what happened was with the increased exposure and the wealth and globalization especially, people realized that even the girl child, they can be given education they are very bright and they should be given equal opportunities as their brothers. So all of us, including myself, we got a good education. I was never stopped from, as I said, pursuing engineering, which I did. I did MBA and so did all of my sisters and all of my peers too. So the education part was provided. With business families, they gave the chance to their daughters to go to big league universities, you know, to study abroad and come back home. The actual rebellion started when these girls, they came back from their respective colleges and schools and places like Harvard and Columbia, and they demanded that they needed to work and mm. they could very easily work in the family business too. So initially what I saw was the family encouraged them to work in the corporate or take a job. But when these females, they started demanding that they can contribute equally, if not more, in the family business. Then what I saw that there was this shift. A couple of families became uncomfortable with that demand and a couple of family gave in and they said, okay, fine, you can start working. And they started working. And it was the same time that I was trying to establish myself as a female consultant. So mm -hmm. again, all these big businessmen in their suits and heavy set businessmen. And they used to say that, what is it that a girl can tell me? So as I said, we had to work almost double as hard just to make the same point. So mm -hmm. a lot of research went in, a lot of hard work went in. And I think it was the results which actually gave us, when I say us, I talk about myself and I talk about all these ladies and all these girls in the family business arena too. It's when we got the results that what gave us credibility. Now the newest fight that is happening in India is that a girl child could be the CEO. 
and it need not be the son of the house. I'll share a story with you. A client of mine, they had a daughter and a son, and the daughter was really passionate about the business. But the son wasn't. He wanted to be an artist. He wanted no role to do in the business. But the family pressurized him to become the managing director and the family pressurized the girl to get married and just mm. move on with her life. But then both of them, they prevailed, they insisted that the family should give them a chance. It was then that we were brought in as a consultant and we had these long conversations with the family patriarch that they should at least give it a try. So then they said, okay, if the girl marries, then we'll consider. So she did get married. And then finally they gave her a chance to take care of the business and they gave the boy a chance to go and pursue the art that he wanted to pursue. And thankfully it really worked out well and the family's really happy with the decisions that they took years and years back. But that's not always the case, I'll say. And the same problem is here in the U.S. too. People want the girls to get married and they want the boys, the sons to take care of the business. And I presume that you, a lot of the next generation that of these minority-owned businesses, there's cultural kind of clash because they're straddling worlds. They're straddling both, in your case, the American life and the Indian heritage When I grew up in the UK, I felt like I was straddling and not belonging to anywhere. My home was Nigeria, but the second I left my front door, it was British, but I felt like I didn't belong in either place. And so how are you seeing the next generation? What particular challenges are you seeing them face? That's a really, really good question because I think that is probably the biggest challenge that the next generation is facing because, okay, let's talk about a business family. So the next generation who is here, who have practically studied here and who are trying to establish their businesses here, their outlook and the way they want to do business Mm. and the values they have, it's completely different. So simple things like being punctual, simple things like how you want to do a certain thing is completely different from the values that probably their parents have. And also because they want to establish the business here in US, they want to abide by all the rules. They want to fit in culturally. Mm -hmm. So they want to have the product which is suited to American market. They want to have an office which is suited to the taste of this country. They want to wear the clothes that are suited for this country so that they can mix in, they can fit in, which is very understandable, right? When you are in Rome, act like Romans. But Back home in India, the parents of these children, the founding fathers of the business, they're not very happy about all of these changes. And they feel that we are losing on our heritage or we are losing on our values. So that the clash is very evident. And uh, when I have to consult a family, which half of the family is in India, half of the family is in US, the clash is pretty evident because the people who are sitting in India, they feel that the children who are in US, they are forgetting their values and their heritage. And the children who are in US, they say that if we don't fit in, if we don't act like we belong, it's impossible to set up a new thing here based on the old formula that was successful in India. So they are right too. And if you take one more step and then you talk about your children or my children. So now these children are completely American. They don't have 
any connection with their roots back in India. So again, a very confused child because they don't know what, where exactly do they belong. And as far as consulting is concerned, I think I find this very challenging when we are talking about mission, a vision for the family, a purpose, their values, because they're different. So yes. having the entire family get together and agree on one value set, that becomes even more difficult. The only thing which is bringing any solace is there are some universal values like honesty and love, you know, integrity. So bringing all the family, having to bridge the ritual part that it's all right for the children living in the U.S. to be wearing the clothes suited for here and for your festival, they can be Indians having little rituals around heritage and roots so that both the traditions are kept alive. So something like, okay, we'll celebrate Christmas, but then we'll celebrate Indian festivals too. That's excellent. That's really excellent. You touched on the different values between the two generations due to this added complexity of different cultural exposures and focusing on the universal ties between both generations, I found this very helpful in in making each generation realize that, yes, we might have had different life experiences and we see things differently, but we still have a lot of commonalities between us. We still have a lot of common visions between us. And instead of focusing on what differentiates us, let's focus on what unifies us. Do you have any other tips for any minority-owned, you know, minority families that are grappling with succession or governance? The only tip I will say is that stop resisting this idea that this family business governance or family business management or succession, all this is very complex and it is something which is very foreign to us. Instead, I'll suggest each and every family-owned business that read about this field, go to websites, just Google about this field, Google about what all succession means, what all governance means, do your research, talk to other families who have done it, irrespective if they are Indian families or if they are American families or if they are Chinese families, irrespective of that fact, just try to learn more and more about this field and see where and how it can help you. Because mm-hmm. governance and successions and conflict resolution, these are the things which every family needs. But then again, it's not a prescription drug. That same thing could be prescribed to everyone. So see what is it that your family needs and how a consultant can actually help you. Listen to the podcast like this and see what is suited to your reality and then reach out to whosoever you feel that can help you. So again, the most important tip is stop resisting and start exploring and accepting that, okay, this might be something that can actually help your business grow and keep Mm -hmm. your family together. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Richard. You've you've given us so much insight into this very specialist subject. I wish we could have more time to unpack particularly the gender piece, which is a piece I'm really passionate about, but I'm sure we'll have another conversation another time. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. If anyone would like to get hold of you, how best can they reach you? I think best would be to email me. My email ID is Singh, S-I-N-G-H, at pcg.com, or call me on my cell, which is 720-215-1286. 
I think those are the two best things to reach out. I'm also on LinkedIn, Richa Singh. So you can find me there and we can definitely get connected. I do offer free consult. So if you want to just chat with me, just a conversation about your issues, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you, Nikia. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you too. And yeah, I think we should definitely get together and do something. Yes. I really enjoyed that conversation with Richard. I found it so insightful and I thought it was just ever so timely. Our world is ready to acknowledge and address deep-seated biases and discrimination, positive or negative, when it comes to race and ethnicity. So I think this is such a right moment for families. And so I think this is so important, particularly when we think about the U.S. landscape, U.S. Generation Z, the upcoming generation are, for the first time in history, are majority minority. So that means 51% of Gen Zs are non-white. And in this hour, representation matters and affinity matters. And that's not to say that those that don't belong to minority groups can't empathize, serve, or make an impact on those in minority groups. No, it's just to say that the hour is now to lean in and understand nuances of minority-owned families. So I'm so grateful that Richard came on and really shed light on it and came with such detailed understanding of these issues that particularly Indian immigrant families face. So thank you so much. Take good care and God bless you.